Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Friends to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast Week Four Ranks. I am Chris Welsh, who you can find on Twitter at Is It the Welsh, joined by Brandon Funston. Name equals Twitter. Pretty easy. You can check that out today. We are going to be going through some of our favorite plays that are against Jake Seeley's ranks. You can check out Jake's ranks right now over at theathletic.com. Just go and click there. Go to Jake's Twitter. He's already got the link up. You can click on that. If you're not subscribed, subscribe there. You can get the whole kit and caboodle, the whole thing, all the ranks as they're updated. And Brandon and I, we just kind of pick on him. We pick on those ranks, things we don't like, or I mean, really it's what we don't like, whether we are high or low in any capacity. So that's what we'll be doing today. Mr. Brandon Funson, how are you heading into this week four? I'm doing all right. My fantasy teams aren't doing all right, but yeah. uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, things are good. I like this segment because we get a pick on Jake and he doesn't get a talk back. And it's really it's really a perfect world for that. I mean, and they pay us to do that. That's a man <laughs> might pay them to do that. Jake can't talk back when we do these things. That's incredible. Oh, it's beautiful. beautiful. Yes, yeah, so, but we've got all the positional stuff we're going to go through. We do have some news and notes as we're bearing down on Thursday Night Football, which is already crazy like quarter of the way through the season things have had their weirdness i've really been hyper focused too on just the the waiver wire you know we did this waiver wire episode um jake and i did for week four and it was another week where it's like hey there's guys you know going into week four there are guys there's achon you know who jake didn't have as a top rb which i disagreed with he had justice hill but tank dell and josh palmer and i don't know it might be a recenciness to it uh, Brandon, but I do feel like we we've had just so much more of a robust waiver wire as far as what you can go and pick at than ever before from quarterbacks. I mean, mm. Brock Purdy is now pushing into being a QB one on a week in a week out basis. He was readily available. Tight ends, people not picking up Musgrave and maybe even some Laportas out there. I mean, it has been a very wild month of available pickups to improve your roster. I do wonder how much further it's going to go and the people that waited, if they're going to regret it at all. But I don't know. Any thoughts on where the waiver wire has been at? Do you think Achon should have been the top waiver guy over Hill? Over Justice Hill? Yeah. That's what Jake had at number one at running back. He had Justice Hill over uh, Oh, uh, Yeah, I I can't. I don't have enough time to tell you how little I, I think of Justice Hill. Like, <laughs> we can't get into that. Uh, H.A. is, uh, you know, I just look at Miami's offense, and obviously we're going to see serious regression. Like that was, if you watch the game, Denver didn't even look like, they looked like it was week 18. They'd been out of the playoffs already, and that they were already thinking about their tea time somewhere, you know, in a warm environment. But uh, like they weren't interested in in playing defense in that game. That said, like you look at this Miami offense, and if teams have to think about the backfield now with that combo of Mostert and A Chain, and then you got Waddle and Hill when when Waddle is healthy, like I just 
I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about how you're gonna how you're gonna scheme for that that offense. Like if they can do that when you know a team's trying to shut down Tyreek Hill, and they can do that. I mean, obviously it'll be better defenses than the Broncos, but I just think this is we're probably looking at the best offense in the NFL. Oh, I think easy, and, and you know, and so the, which which case, I mean, yeah, we got Tree Chain as a as a premium platoon running back. That's kind of my take on it. Like I, I presented the idea of like, would you rather have? Let's let's. I think it's a fair argument to say that the Raven situation is a split back when both are healthy, Gus and Justice Hill. And let's just assume that Dolphin situation is a split between Achan and Mostert. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have the guy in the best offense in the league, or would you rather have the guy on the Ravens? <laughs> I mean, to lay it out like that. Yeah, like, no, I mean, sway I, the argument. It's but. not even close. I would. I mean, I would rather have Achan than Ed- Edwards. I'd rather have both Miami backs over any of the Baltimore backs. And don't forget, Melvin Gordon, you know, figures into the mix, and then they got this Keon, Keon Mitchell, Keaton Mitchell. Keaton that's Mitchell, yeah. Yeah, it's coming off. Uh, you know, it's going to be coming out, and he might get into the mix. Like Baltimore's never. It seems like they're never. They never stop like thinking about oh, who else can we throw out there and, and you know give some reps to in the backfield. Like, I mean, Edwards is the lead guy, but I mean he's so unexciting. Yeah, and I will say this: the stuff with Achon, it's difficult because he, <laughs> you are being set up for failure. If you think what happened last week is a blueprint to where it's going to go, because if he has 12 touches for 60 yards, people will be like, ah, told you. I don't think so. I think that what that would show is like he's a firm part of the usage. And I, I think he should be using the pass game. We saw his snap percentage in the goal line. Like you're not going to see 20 plus touches, 200 plus yards, four touchdowns. You're not going to see those things. So I think they're saying, there's a part of this is that we are feeling set up if you just dive right in. But I think based off of what we saw last week and a smart team not laying off of that this week in a matchup, which, by the way, and I'm doing this because we're not going to talk about H on here. We don't have him pitted up against Jake. Uh, for, I, I probably should have. But the Bills are giving up over five yards per carry on the ground. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not foreseeable. to It's not uh, unforeseen to think that they could try to run the ball and he's going to be a part of it again. Like, where did you rank him? Because I think I think he's a start this week. I don't have an expectation that he's going to go bonkers, but I do have an expectation that he will be used and he will be used in some type of a split. And I think the Dolphins, especially in a tougher matchup, probably going to run the ball 20 to 25 times. And I think he's going to get like half of that at least. And he will be involved in the passing game. He had four targets in the air and he caught all four of them. And he's the red zone guy. So I think that's kind of like a running back, flexy to uh, like a like a flex to a rb2 pending your situation do you have that same territory i know jake doesn't rb27 so i i think i'm right in that range of you know back end rb2 uh high end flex okay you know okay so So that's the general area that's just kind of getting that stuff out of the way uh there are some news reports just to get to real quick at the top here um mary Kay cabot reporting alpha cleveland.com that the Browns signed Deion Jackson to the practice squad. This comes off the heels of Kareem Hunt, apparently banged up already. So we're going to talk about Jerome Ford here in a little bit. I don't think Deion Jackson is anything, but you know, just another back getting into the backfield. I'm actually a little bit more concerned about Hunt already being banged up. And that might even take me off a little bit of what we're going to talk about later. Cause part of my expectation of maybe Jerome Ford, not being a monster uh, that he's not a monster anyways, but 
is I think like Kareem Hunt is going to start to get more run, but if he's banged up, that's going to take it away. I don't know if you have any Kareem Hunt thoughts in general. No, well, I just did my the you know the most recent note I had seen was that even though he is banged up, the expectation is that he will play, which so is good. I don't I don't think it's a serious thing. It's probably you know uh, minor, but working through some aches and pains, just coming back. But I, I'm I'm with you. I'm. You know, I talked last week about how I'm not high on Jerome Ford, and I think uh, you know you're going to take the the mantle this week. But I'm I'm with you on that, and I yeah. my expectations are the same. Cream Hunt is going to get more run. There, uh, I'll do a quick little Thursday night thing here in a second, but I just wanted to drop this out here that Sean McVay spoke today and said that the quote the hope is for Cooper Cup to return from the IR in Week Five, and that will put a big test in to the Puka stuff. I know there's like a little bit of like, oh, only seven targets after week three for Puka Nakua. We'll see what happens in week four. But if Cooper Cup does return, it'll be fascinating to see, especially how people are going to treat this situation. I still think Puka could be a wide receiver too. Probably fair to more to put him in the wide receiver three territory, but none of that really matters because he's going to be a startable wide receiver until we are shown otherwise when Cooper Cup does come back. And are you, are you in that same camp? Yes, and I'm doing rest of season rankings today, and I, I do it each week. And like I look at the industry consensus, and right now they they're like, oh, you don't you're way behind the industry on where you're ranking Puka the rest of the year. They haven't ranked 14th at wide receiver, which is way too high are you talking rest of season or this rest of season rest of season like that's just like if you're drafting today and they have like cooper cup at 29 and i right now have puka at 21 and cooper at 20 and that's kind of in the back of my mind knowing that cooper cup has a hamstring issue and that even though he could return in week five you're you're never quite sure if they've really put the you know the hamstring issues behind them because it's such a nagging thing but like I kind of feel like if I'm drafting for the rest of the season, I have a hard time deciding between Puka and Cooper Cup right at this moment. Yeah, I, I buy what you're saying, and but I, I definitely just think Puka can continue to be a main target guy. There's no reason yeah. that they're not going to just keep throwing them out there. So we will see. We'll obviously see there, but I don't think you need to bench him moving forward. The only other news, big news notes, there's lots of like little like didn't practices. You know, uh, Brandon Ayuk did practice, which is a good sign. I'm very big on him this week. But there's a lot of Thursday night stuff, and I just kind of I do want to skim through it because obviously some people might be listening after the fact if you're listening on Friday. But Saquon, well, I guess I'm sorry, this one isn't even in that. Uh, but um, well, now I'll do those because it'll sound all weird. But Dave Montgomery trending in the right direction, looking like he's going to go. Christian Watson and Aaron Jones both questionable for this game, but they did practice early in the week, so I think that is a good sign for both of those guys to end up playing. Which I I shocked myself. I was doing a in this league show, and someone had asked about quarterbacks when we looked. I hadn't realized. Did you even realize that Jordan Love is the fourth highest scoring quarterback in fantasy through the first three weeks, and is one of only three quarterbacks in like standardish scoring to score twenty points at that position each week. That's with Patrick Mahomes, and I'm forgetting the other person. Maybe Jalen Hurts. It was they're the only three that have scored twenty points each week, and I was just like, oh. I completely shocked myself and now he's going to be given two more weapons back. Yeah, I you know, I I I knew it because I think he was number 2 in after week 2 and maybe he dropped to 4 after week 3, but I was surprised after week 2 um that that he was that high. I I don't know. I've you know, I've watched a fair amount of his game last week. It's they're nice numbers, but um 
completion percentage wise, it's been ugly. I mean, he may have one of the lowest completion percentages of uh, of starting quarterbacks, fifty three percent. Christian Watson coming back will help, although you know he's not really a chain moving kind of style. You know, he's more of like a a glorified, a better version of a Gabe Davis, where you just you know you're looking for deeper stuff on the boundaries and and stuff like that. You know, give Jordan Love credit. He's you know the numbers. The numbers in fantasy, they however you get them, they play. You know, so that's true. I mean, that's like our old garbage time thing. It's like you can find these gar these garbage teams that have a quarterback if they. Sl- I mean, I don't want to. It's definitely not CJ Stroud because CJ Stroud does look like a good quarterback, and they're doing it early and not in garbage time. But there's also it's like that's a team they average four. He averages forty pass attempts in each game on the season. And if they are playing from behind, which you would assume a Texans team would be, that they're you know they're going to sling the ball. So that's like where you can get those inadvertent uh, fantasy stats from. The other things uh, that I just misordered my stuff: Saquon Barkley day to day, according to Brian Dable, I do not expect him to play. And then this just came down. You can any notes you want to mention on these? But to Patrick Mahomes, full participant in practice on Wednesday, and Austin Eckler returned to practice after multiple weeks. It was a limited version of it, but Eckler back Mahomes fully back and Saquon still day today. I don't believe he actually practiced though. So anything on any of those three? Uh, I'm surprised. I'll be surprised if Eckler plays this week. I was in my mind thinking he was going to be a one more out for sure. So kind of goes into my pick at running back that we were going to talk about. So now we'll have to throw out the caveat uh, around that. But you know, I, I think if I was the chargers, I would give him one more week because I think he was, you know, it's it didn't seem like it was the kind of injury where he would be able to come back this quickly. So I also think the same thing. I mean, it's a high ankle sprain. It seems very um, re-injurable if you're not like really set yeah. there. So I think you'd want to baby that so you don't like do something, tweak it, and then you're bound down another three weeks. Just give another week. I think that's where that's heading. But he was in practice. So keep an eye on that. Let's talk about some ranks up against Jake Seeley. These are our ranks versus Jake Seeley. And it really becomes, again, like I mentioned about like we like a guy more than Jake or Jake likes a guy way more than we do. So let's start off at quarterback. Brandon, we're going to start with you. And your first one, I think, will be the most controversial this week because no one has looked worse outside of Desmond Ritter than Justin Fields. Yet you have got Fields at seven at QB this week up against Jake, who Jake also, I want to point out from who I've talked to in the industry this week, you guys are both way higher, but I get it because if you're going to get back to Justin Fields, it's going to be this game. If it is going to happen, right? I mean, it's the Denver Broncos. And right now I like I, both of my quarterbacks, I'll just, you know, I'll just throw them both out right now, are facing each other this week in the toilet bowl. It's, you know, it's Russell Wilson and it's Justin Fields. And I'll say with Justin Fields, he was actually way worse to open the season last year and it went on this great run and got better as the season went along and they kind of tweaked things. But what we've seen from Justin Fields so far, he's thrown a touchdown pass in every game. Uh, he's rushed for, I think, 47 or more yards in two of the three games. And you just have the best possible matchup this week against the Denver Broncos. So I, you know, I think that getting to number seven is not going to be that difficult. I just talked about how Jordan Love, I've been watching him a decent amount. His numbers look great, but he hasn't looked that good in reality in my mind all the time. Like I think Justin Fields could 
again, not look that great, but just because of the matchup, uh, end up as, as quarterback seven, the duality of his rushing numbers and the fact that, you know, there's maybe Lamar Jackson is the only guy that can really match him on the ground at the quarterback position. Like he could put up a hundred yards in this game, on the ground, throwing a, throwing 200 yards passing and a touchdown and you're there. Maybe even, you maybe even higher than what I have him ranked, but, uh, Russell Wilson, I don't really get, uh, Jake's ranking. Cause I have him ranked at 12. Jake has him ranked at 16. Russell Wilson's quarterback nine on the season. He has back to back 300 yard games. He has six touchdown passes. He has a 50 yard rushing game. Uh, and you know, I, I, I said, Justin Fields had the best matchup, uh, you know, Russell Wilson going up against the Bears is not far behind. So uh, it's a great matchup for him as well. These two quarterbacks facing each other, it's as good as it gets. So I'm not going to rank Russell Wilson lower than what he's achieved to at this point going up against the Bears. I'm actually looking here. I was trying to do the quick math, and I think I got it. He scored, Russell Wilson has scored no less than 15.2 points per game, as I'm seeing it. I know the variations of points and whatever. There's only four other quarterbacks in the NFL, fantasy-wise, that have scored no less than 15 on a given week. And that's a pretty good marker. I mean, there is a floor there with him. And the Bears' defense is horrible. They're also horrible. (laughs) They got demolished. I'm not... I'm I'm fine with the Russell Wilson stuff. I'm, I'm in that general vicinity with you. I'm really torn on fields because, like, I thought... What we're talking about, I thought fields was going to do last week. I thought the Chiefs would get up on the Bears, but then the Bears would garbage time it like old school, and he'd be running around all the field, he'd be making some throws, and then they would make it a game towards the end, or they would just put up some cheap points. It never happened, and he looked horrible throwing the ball. But like I said, if it's going to happen, this is the week that it's going to happen because Denver also absolutely got demolished, and there's a game plan of how you can attack them, and one of those is Justin Fields being more aggressive uh, running the ball, but he's got to hit his throws, and that's the thing I worry about. So again, I, think, I want to I think put him higher. The difference higher. is I don't think Justin Fields is going to be a great garbage time quarterback because in garbage time, it's just pretty much put it all on your arm, and we know that's 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 not what you want to do with Justin Fields. You want to be in a competitive game where. You know, the running game is part of it, but also him as a part of the running game as well. And then you can play off the running game with some play action stuff and, and do some things. I just don't know they f- can be competitive. That's the problem. I don't think like they haven't proven that they can be like a week in a week out competitive team. He's making all the wrong decisions. That's what's so worrisome about this. Yeah, but Denver struggles to get to 20 points. No, yeah, Denver is. Yeah. They're the worst offense in the league last year. I, I mean, Chicago is, at, I think, a three-point underdog, maybe three-and-a-half as a as a, the home team, right? Um, but still, I think that's, you know, I see a competitive game. Maybe Denver's up a little bit, but I think, I think it's going to allow Chicago to run a balanced offense, whereas, like, in a Chiefs game where you're getting blown away and you're just dropping people back, like, that is, I think that's a horrible setup for Justin Fields. So, yeah, like, you're, not, you're not wrong about that. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. I, I get the logic in there, and I, I think Russell Wilson is a good call as well. Uh, Jake is lower on both of those guys. The guy that I have is, I mean, I already mentioned him. I talk about him a lot, and its I probably can't anymore. But my only problem with it is C.J. Stroud continuously get ranks really low in consensus ranks this week. He is 21. On Jake's list, he is 20. Guess what? On the season... He's the 14th scoring quarterback. Who is he going up against this week? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Their secondary is horrible. That You can throw on this team. The problem will be 
if that uh, that Texans line can block and keep TJ Watt out of Stroud's face. But Stroud is averaging over 300 yards passing per game and 40 pass attempts per game. The Steelers statistically don't pop off as like, you know, they're not like number one in giving up fantasy points to quarterbacks and stuff. It's because they're like number two in rushing. You can run on that team. Texans can't run. The Texans don't. They pass the ball. Yeah. So I think that number is going to widen a little bit. I'm not saying that Pittsburgh is probably a little bit better than being give it credit for, but Stroud and them just slaying the ball. I think Nico's going to kind of have a, a bounce back this week, but Stroud is my guy versus Jake. Jake has got him at 20. He's kind of with the same consensus as the rest of the world, but it's just like how many weeks will Stroud have to score 20 points? He's only done it two of the three, but he scored 20 points in two straight weeks. How many more weeks does he have to do it for people to rank him according to how he's performed? He has outperformed his ECR rank every single week this season. And this will be another one because he's 21. Well, you said Jordan Love is number four at quarterback. I wouldn't blink if I had Jordan Love. I would trade him straight up for CJ Stroud. And it's because... I'm just going to go off my eye test. CJ Strouds looked like a better quarterback. He looks Great. like he belongs. Like he, he doesn't look like a rookie in any way, shape, or form. He's very calm, cool, collected. Throws the ball great, um, and like you said, the the context is they can't run, and they're often going to play from behind. It forces him. You feel like for the rest of the year, as long as he's healthy, he's probably among the leaders in pass attempts. It's just going to be the way things go. But he's just a like. I think if you were to do the NFL draft over again, he's your number one pick. I think so. I think he looks really yeah. good. I completely agree with that. The, the tough part is like, I'm not trying to make people be like, oh, you've got to rank him at like quarterback 10 or 12. He's not Anthony Richardson yet, but you know what? Like he's not, a t- he's not a outside the top 20 quarterback. Like he is a high, I think he's a higher end super flex second quarterback. Not just like he's pretty good. Like, no, he is inside. He just keeps performing inside the top 20. So this is just where I disagree. Maybe this will be the week. Pittsburgh is definitely, there's an opportunity that the line gives him no time to throw or anything like that. But the secondary for the Steelers is really bad. Patrick Peterson is bad. That's why I like Nico Collins and Tank Dell. Look at how Tank Dell was. So that's my I have him 16, against. so I'm not, not as bullish as you. But Okay, well, no, but that's good. You're you're in the territory. I mean, I don't have him at 12. I don't. I'd have to, I just went away from my ranks. I've got Stroud. What did you say you have, Matt? 16? 16. I've got him at 14 this week. So, you know, I'm, I'm in that territory. I'm, I literally have him where he's been performing, and I think this is a half-decent matchup. Let's go over to running backs. Uh, you've mentioned a couple, you've teased a couple names in here. All the running backs we disagree with Jake start with the letter J. So there's only J's <laughs> that are disagreements here for Jake, and no, you've no got Jakes. three of them. Yeah, yeah no Jake, yeah. but we, we disagree with all J's like Jake we're picking against, uh, but you and I actually have one. So let's save the guy that we both agree on. Talk to me about the other two. One is an RB1 disagreement, and another is a difference between an RB2 and a flex RB spot. Yeah, and to be honest, like I kind of struggled to find some good names uh, to go against Jake because we were fairly aligned, and so I do have James Cook very bullishly at number four at running back. Uh, Jake has him at nine, so obviously if you have James Cook, whether Jake's telling you or I'm telling you, we're both telling you to play him uh, for sure. So uh, I'm just – like James Cook is number three in – 
among running backs in rushing yards. He's number eight in catches. He's getting a lot of run. He is the guy there. He just doesn't have a touchdown. And I just feel I'm kind of just, you know, this is a gut telling me that he's got a long one. He's got a, he's going to break a long one in this game, or he's just going to put up like another hundred yards and maybe 30 to 50 yards through the air. It's going to have one of those kind of games in my mind against the dolphins who the dolphins by the way, I mean they put up big numbers, but their their defense against running backs has has left a bit to be desired as well. So I think it's a good opportunity, a good matchup for him, and he's just been killing it in terms of total yards. I'm just kind of banking on a good chance for him to finally find the end zone. Yeah, an interesting one about that. So I agree with what you're saying, though. The Dolphins have kept the past two opponents' running backs under 65 yards, but it was the Broncos and Patriots. And my point to this is like. Those are not good offenses, and right. those offensive running backs averaged only or the the opposing guys only averaged like you know under three and a half yards per carry. But in week one, they gave up over two hundred yards to the Chargers, which is a very good offense and is more representative of the Dolphins. And that was uh, where did it go? I think that was yeah over six and a half yards per carry. So like you can see a little bit the the numbers might be a tiny bit misleading, but if you want to look at of those three teams who's the most similar to the Dolphins <laughs> that would be the Chargers one and they gave yeah. up over 200 yards so yeah uh, speaking I mean, of the Chargers yeah. uh Josh Kelly was my other guy it, it, obviously I have him at 24 and he's been terrible the last two weeks I've put him in my lineup each of the last two weeks because he's the guy they're not playing anybody else really I mean they're giving nothing to like Isaiah Spiller and and the backups there uh, it's all Josh Kelly, but he's been terrible. But it's also been some, you know, some tougher matchups. I just really like the matchup this week against the Raiders. They're at home. If you give him another fifteen plus touches, I think he can get up to RB twenty four in this game. You mentioned what the Chargers did against the Dolphins. Josh Kelly had a big game, and I think he had like ninety yards and a touchdown. Uh, you know, in addition to Eckler going off, but. Um, you know, if Eckler's not there, I just feel like there's 15 to 20 touches for Josh Kelly against the pretty bad run defense of the Raiders. And I have him at RB 24. Jake has, has him at RB 30. It's hard to find running backs outside the top 20 that give you appreciable touches. Like it's so, you know, backfields are so scattershot now in, in Platoonville. And like to just a guy with you know, his opportunity for touches and this matchup, I'm still going to rank him 24 and not live in the recency bias of how bad last week was. This one's frustrating to me. He's frustrating to me. I'm with Jake on this one because I'm frustrated. And I presented this idea earlier in the week or last week. No, it was this weekend because I did the same thing every week. I'm like, okay, it's going to be primary Kelly. We're going to go off. Didn't happen week two. Didn't happen in week three. I've come to the determination that Kelly uniquely is just a better complimentary back than he is a starter back. He is better with Austin Eckler than he is getting the rock. Now, maybe that's just other offensive efficiencies and like kind of like fields here. I get your logic in these things. Like he, they're, they're not doing anything with anybody else at all. It should work. You're going up against teams that they make sense that this would work and it just keeps not. So I'm with you when you start comparing against names and you're like, oh my God, we're looking at like, you know, him is the primary back against the Raiders versus like secondary running back. You don't want to do it. I just can't. I can't do it again and he'll do it again. And this will be the week that he does it because so many people are starting to get out. So I am actually with Jake on this one just because through two weeks he has shown absolutely nothing and he has proven to be just... He's just better 
when defenses are tired and he gets to come in as a, you know, a, a switch out back with Eckler and then he just breaks off big stuff. I think defenses are just less worried about the running game when it is only him. And I don't know. The schemes have just changed. The blocking doesn't look the same. He doesn't look the same. It's frustrating. The one that you and I both picked on Jake about is Jerome Ford. We are um, we're right next to each other. So I don't really, really hate him, but we're both in the same territory. You have him at 23. I have him at 24. Jake has got him at 17. Kareem Hunt is something that is that plays a role in this for me, that I do think they're going to continuously try to use Kareem Hunt more. Jerome Ford looked good-ish, like he was able to score a touchdown. He's able to catch the ball a little bit, but they didn't use him in volume. I don't think they're going to use him in volume. That doesn't seem like that's going to be the place. And, you know, you cited that great stat which I think so far you are correct, where you're like, hey, listen, he broke off that 60, but everything else averaged under two yards per carry. He had the, what was it, the the uh, most under most. two yard carries in the NFL? Yeah, and so after three weeks, um, he is one behind Josh Jacobs. Now he was, he had 19 last week, and so now he's at 26. Well, he had 10 carries. That means seven of his 10 carries last week went for two yards or less. So 70% of his, of his carries last week. He just, like mm. you said, if he had more volume, he'd easily be number one on this list still. But uh, Josh Jacobs is having his own world of futility at the moment as well. But like, I, I just, if the guy has, hadn't scored touchdowns, he'd be, I mean, we wouldn't even be talking about him. Unless and, we and just talk about how bad he was. And the matchup is not great. Um, the the Colts were able to put up over 100 yards uh, rushing, but it took 35 carries. It took 35 carries for them to get there. They're averaging giving up running backs less than four yards per carry. I just don't love the the matchup. Jerome Ford doesn't look like he's putting in, being put in a Nick Chubb role. And maybe also if the offense can't play up, I just don't, I'm not sold on him getting the huge volume. I still got him right as an RB2, but I don't love him when you put him in the teens. I think that really says, like, I like this guy a lot. Like, this is a yeah. play. This is a volume guy. I don't trust that he is a volume guy at all anymore. No, I don't either. And you mentioned the Colts. I I do a quick. It's not. It's very imperfect. But I take you know teams fantasy points allowed to the running back position, the fantasy points allowed per touch to the running back position, and then yards per carry allowed to the running back position. And I just weight them equally and I combine them and I do a quick little rating. It just gives me you know something to look at. And the Colts are fifth toughest in the league in that in that metric. So um, it's a tough matchup for Jerome Ford and he's already getting stymied by lesser matchups. So he's really in my mind touchdown dependent, which is what he has been the last couple of weeks has worked out other than that long run that he broke off against the Steelers. Yeah. So it sounds a lot more like we're crapping on him, which it's not necessarily meant to be, but it's just like, I'm just not enamored. I'm not enamored with Josh Kelly. I'm not enamored with Jerome Ford. I'm not enamored with some of these guys, though, whether you're into them or not, I know for plenty of you, it doesn't really matter. Like our running back position, our running back position, unless you've done a really good job and having some good options. It, it, what would be interesting? What did you say you have H on at 26? Uh, let's see. Let me bring that. I'm at, oh, H and 26. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm. I'm a I'm a little bit higher on Ford. It kind of kills me. I was about bit. to say, like, I, that's what I want to ask you. Do you think it's early? It's early in the week. There's time to rectify that. Yeah. Sometimes I'm doing them, I and I'm not. You know, I have to kind of like pause and really kind of hone in on a situation and go. Wait a minute, that's not how I really feel. That feels so. like one that yeah, I think you're going to adjust, aren't you? Like you're going to yeah, go H on over him. Yeah, I definitely will. Yeah, I think I might be there with you. So let's go over to wide receivers. You've got three. I've got one. 
I have a less of a case to make, by the way, on my one. Actually, let's start with my one. We don't we never start with me. Let's because I want to get your take on this. Okay. I wish I had a lot of really good metrics to push this up against, but it's I think the guy I'm gonna tell you has been a major buy. We saw a huge week one, and we've seen two fade-offs the last two weeks because the Jacksonville Jaguars have struggled. But I don't believe Calvin Ridley is done. I really, really don't. And I think this Atlanta matchup is decent. Um, I think they get off the field really quick. The only thing that works in their favor is their ability. If they can, they can actually get first downs. They will control the clock because they run the ball a lot. They do not pass a whole bunch. They are super inefficient. The Jaguars have struggled with their offensive identity. It was Christian Kirk disappears and then comes back. And do we go to Zay Jones and where's Calvin Ridley? Calvin Ridley has had opportunities that have been missed. And we've seen those targets come back. I think when you are trying to write what looks like a sinking ship, get back to what the effectiveness you saw in week one. And that was Calvin Ridley. And I think this is a situation where this team will establish some run with Etienne and it will be a big Calvin Ridley week, even though there's two weeks of data to tell us otherwise. So Calvin Ridley, I've got in the top 12 as a wide receiver one this week. Jake has him at 17. I get it, but I think this is the get right situation. What say you? Well, I have him at 18. So even worse, you hate him. You hate yeah. me. You hate me personally. <laughs> Go on. But look, I think it's a gut. I think it's like the James Cook thing or something, something else. I think it's fair, though, to have that feeling, you know, and just run with it. Because what I saw in week one and what was it, Houston in week one that they played? I mean, I think that I can't remember who they I'm played. I'm pulling in week it up one. right now. It is Houston. Yeah. Where, or no, yeah, no, it was I, Indy. It was Indy where okay, he had 11 targets for over 100 yards, caught eight of them for a touchdown. It was Houston last week. I was ready to just completely hat in hand on my preseason. Like, oh, he hasn't played in two years. Like, how do we know he's still, you know, he's going to bring in and all that. And I was like, oh, my God, he looks awesome. And it wasn't just like Trevor Lawrence making plays. It was Calvin Ridley making plays. And so I was like, okay, I, I was, you know, the talent is very, ever is still there. It's very obvious. I was kind of surprised how the last two weeks have went. But also, I thought Trevor Lawrence has looked pretty terrible the last couple of weeks. So, yeah. um, so I don't really necessarily blame it all on Ridley. But maybe they, maybe they write the ship. It's there. I mean, the top ten upside is definitely there. So uh, all I'll say is I, you know, I'm scared off by the last two weeks. But you know, I, I have no problem with you playing your gut on that one. Yeah, and that's really a lot of what it is. I mean, the Falcons, from as far as a quarterback position, have gone. They they played probably better than expected. They've only given up around 180 yards total. Two of the quarterbacks have gone under 151, but that was the Packers and the Panthers. You ended up having the Lions go for around 250. I just don't feel like you've seen a big passing affair, but they have given up five passing touchdowns. This is more of a gut feel. I also have Trevor Lawrence a little bit higher. Yours, you've got some bigger differences here. Um, Two of them are quite a bit higher than Jake's and one you are quite a bit lower. So let's start with number one. And I'm with you on this. I love Jacoby Myers. Uh, Jacoby, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think it's kind of sneaky if he's playing and not dealing with a concussion, but Jimmy Garoppolo just loves short passes to Jacoby Myers and full PPR. He's even a little bit better, but you've got Jacoby Myers almost just like right outside the wide receiver one territory where Jake has got him down at 27. So this is high wide receiver two versus mid wide receiver three differences with you guys. Yeah, in half PPR, you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and loving those short and intermediate areas. I mean, it's all laid out there in the fact that Jacoby Myers in two games 
has the sixth highest wide receiver uh, half PPR average, and Devonte Adams has the fourth. And they've done it. They've done it together for two games, and Jacoby Myers was out for one game. But like Jacoby Myers has averaged eleven targets in his two games, eight catches, and eighty plus yards, and he scored. So. Like, that's what we talk about, preaching volume all the time. Well, 11 targets per game in two games is is great. That's elite-level volume for a wide receiver. And you get by far, by far, the number one matchup for a wide receiver this week against the Chargers. So, like, I, you know, it's not like Jacoby Myers has got limited volume and just managed to take some big, you know, it's not Marvin Mims here. It's not, that's, he's doing it on volume with a quarterback who is aligned with his skill set in a game against a team that is horrible against the pass. So I'm going to rank that accordingly. There's no way I would keep Jacoby Myers out of my lineup this week. Yeah, and I have um, I didn't quite take the, like I think Adams is already ranked so high. I got Myers up there, but I took this stance this week as being like Jimmy Garoppolo might be like a really underrated low guy that might not be startable most weeks but in a super flex, you might be able to throw him in there just because of, like you said, like the, I think the Chargers give up literally the most fantasy points to quarterbacks right now. And he's got two great viable wide receivers and uh, Myers is super underrated. So I agree with you on that one. I know I could see this one coming because Jake has kind of continuously talked about how we're going to bid farewell to Tutu Atwell. But this is probably still not the week yet. His ranks kind of look maybe not so much, but you're really into it, m- maybe in like a big pass heavy bounce back situation where you've got him at 29 jake's got him at 40 so let's hear about atwell uh so the targets per game eight nine and nine consistent um two carries the fantasy points and half ppr per game 11.7 plus in each game the colts as a matchup is kind of middle of the road i just like there's two guys making plays in the passing game right now among the receivers it's atwell and it's is nakua and you know it's interesting michael salfino kind of brought up a good point like what Nakua is doing is the Cooper Cup role and like the Cooper Cup routes and the way they're playing. They're using Atwell in a whole different way. And like there's a chance that that doesn't go away when Cooper Cup comes back. Um, so it remains to be seen. But the important thing here is that Cooper Cup is not back. And so for as long as Cup is out, not only am I going to like Nakua a lot, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Atwell his his due. The guy's been bringing it every week. You would not have been disappointed if you'd played him any of the three games so far. And I don't see why that, you know, why we should rank him any differently this week. I buy that. Um, Gabe and, Davis is the final one. Oh, yeah. did you have more? No, no. I just was going to throw oh. out Gabe Davis. I have him at 41. Jake has him at 33. I yeah. just like... Like the way he's being used, he's so hit and miss. I don't think you want to put a receiver as your wide receiver three who's so hit and miss. If you want to take a a flex, you know, dice roll on him, I think that's where we're at with Gabe Davis at this point. And the Dolphins don't really. And I looked it up. They don't give up a lot of huge big plays, and that's kind of what you need from Gabe Davis. Maybe he finds the end zone. I think he's a little bit touchdown and big play dependent. I just, you know, he's had a couple of games where it's been like three and three and two targets, you know, and it's like. Uh, you know, what are you going to get from him this week? And that being the nature of who he is, I'm not going to rank that as a wide receiver three. Yeah. I think part of that is I'm taking a look here on the breakdown. The second wide receiver for against the dolphins has gotten four. Well, let me go to targets, five targets, 
nine targets and 11 targets. It's increased every single week. The actual receptions were four, though, four and five. So that's kind of an interesting marker. But if you think this game's going to be kind of a shootout, there are offenses going back and forth. Maybe if there is a little bit less running that like, Given four opportunities for a number two wide receiver, like Gabe Davis makes big plays out of it. So he's got him in the flex. You've got him outside of it. I'm I'm a little bit indifferent about Gabe Davis, though. Again, if you want to play like high scores here, you can see where he's kind of a um he's a big home run threat if it's like four catches for 120 yards. If you were looking at tight ends, tight end sleeper for the week. We've been asking you this here, Brandon. Who's your tight end sleeper for the week? Uh, I'll throw out Gerald Everett just because Mike Williams is out. It might be, you know, we're we're kind of pumping up Josh Palmer and Quentin Johnson, but you know, I could see Gerald Everett getting more involved as well. And so he is my sleeper as my dog barks in the background in favor of that call. I think it's a big old mush of the same type of guys as usual. There's the upper tier. Uh, I think you've now added Sam Laporta into the upper tier. There's the mid tier, which is a big old handful of players that all score around, you know, what is it? Six to eight points. And then there's just a big old clump of dart throws out there. If you can get Ferguson, I thought Ertz last week would be big. He's going up against the Niners. It's a horrible matchup. I actually like your Everett one a pretty decent amount. I'd also throw out Hayden Hurst against Minnesota. I think that one might be kind of sneaky uh, in Carolina. That is it. You guys want to go check out the ranks? Go over to theathletic.com and you can type in Jake Seeley. It'll probably be one of the top articles there. Or you just go to All In Kid and one of his top ones will be his, usually pen tweet will be the ranks. You can click straight to the article. If you're not a member, you can sign up couple bucks a month. It's a fantastic deal for all of the great stuff they've got. Waivers and ranks every single week from Jake, and he'll be updating that up until game time. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast where it is Jake and I on Tuesdays, Brandon and I on Thursdays, getting you covered for the fantasy football season, and we got more coming up next week. Have a fantastic week. Good luck in all your matchups, and we'll talk to you right here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. 